0: By 2030, we could be spending more time in the metaverse than in the real world, believe it or not. And people will be applying for jobs, earning a living, meeting with friends, shopping, even getting married using virtual capabilities of the metaverse. In the coming decade, higher education and job training may increasingly be provided in virtual 3D settings, along with boardroom or workplace meetings. Uh, Businesses and governments will rely on the power and reach of the Metaverse to share information, provide services, and really collaborate as never before.
1: The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning.
0: Our
2: mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence based strategies for digital teaching and learning.
1: Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University.
2: Thank you for joining us. And now the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder and I'm here with my co-host Brad Garner. Hey, Brad.
1: Hey, thrilled to be here.
2: Yeah, I realize I say that we're here together, but as some of our listeners, if they've been following along, they know we are no longer in the same location, but it's still wonderful to connect with you on the podcast. So thanks again. We are returning to the show with our guest from last week, and that is Stefan Lachina. Welcome back.
0: Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure to be back.
2: Thank you. You know, last week we talked about a lot of opportunities in VR and XR, and this week we're going to expand on that and talk a bit more about the future of possibility in XR and VR and higher education. So, without further ado, let's jump right in. When you do partner with a college or university, what kinds of deliverables do your partners kind of expect? Is it just that they are assigning somebody or a group of people to a series of courses with CircuitStream or are they hoping to develop a product by the end, like a new immersive experience for a particular class or program? What are some of those expected outcomes?
0: As an example of outcomes for, let's say, partnerships between CircuitStream and universities, for instance, we like to, and we do expect increased enrollments for the schools by offering new and emerging technology education standing out from other schools out there with a larger and more innovative catalog of courses for their community and students and providing their learners and students the skills of the future to be successful and to find a career as a creator in the growing real-time 3D industry with the positive growth trends we're seeing here today. Yeah. And in terms of deliverables, I would say that includes you know upskilling students in both fields of XR development and design, preparing them for various roles and careers afterwards, and really focusing on providing assessment to measure learners' proficiency for employing these skills, introducing theoretical concepts and context behind different topics that are covered, demonstrating workflows, tools, and techniques used to learn a skill, while also challenging learners to work on projects, to practice Mm -hmm. workflows and techniques, as well as review and provide feedback from our team of instructors and developers on the output of those activities. So really giving them the skills, making them stand out as they are looking for a new career afterwards, but also helping them with hands-on projects, building portfolios, being able to speak to the processes of actually putting this together so that they can continue their work afterwards, wherever they end up.
1: So if you have XR's development skills you've learned how to do that, then you are only really constrained by your own imagination because i'm assuming if you think of something then you'll be able to create it
0: that's right exactly and that's why i love this technology is that it's really creative in -hmm. terms of as you were saying if you have a large imagination or if you yourself are very creative vr and ar technology really allows you to express that creativity and to really design and develop anything that comes to mind to solve you know, your challenges, your workplace challenges, other issues that you encounter. So you really hit the nail on the head there, Brad. This tech is really, I wouldn't say designed for, but a great fit for people who have large imaginations and who are very creative and want to apply those to different areas and projects.
2: So let's say that my interest is there. I'm not, but let's say I'm faculty in higher ed and have some interest in this area, teach a course in social sciences where I think that people could benefit from some of the opportunities to practice empathy. And I don't know, just curious about how VR could fit into, let's say, psychology or social work or something, like a helping profession. I would sign up for a course, potentially with Circuit Stream, and is there any? No, definitely
1: with Circuit Stream. Not potentially. Definitely <laughs> okay. with Circuit Stream. Definitely oh, Circuit stop. Stream over
2: YouTube. <laughs> but I'm curious: Would you, if you were able to kind of vet who signs up for these courses or give advice, what kind of interest or skills do you expect from the folks who sign up for a course? Like, would I have any business really being there in a Circuit Stream course?
0: So uh, before I get into it. XR is (laughs) continuing to become more present in our daily and professional lives. And the job market is only increasing its demand for AR and VR development and design skills. So there's no better time to prepare for this inflection point. Now, before joining a course, whether it's with Circus Stream or anyone else out there, I like to say, ask yourself, what do you want to do? Do you enjoy puzzles, physics and building complex things from scratch? Were you into physics, math, and logic growing up? Do you enjoy finding and breaking down problems and solving pesky bugs? What brings you the most enjoyment from your or your team's finished project? Is it the fact that you've built it with clean code or more that you've visualized it and drawn out the map? Now, there's really kind of two sides to this technology, maybe more so, but I'm going to focus on development and design, because those are the two kind of streams and channels that we like to focus on here at Circus Stream. So another thing to think about is, again, development or design. Design professionals think about the striking balance between user problems and business opportunities, solving them through intuitive and seamless experiences. So designers do a lot of storyboarding planning scenarios, research and testing, and in the end, opting for the solution that makes the most sense to the end user and product. Whereas developers, on the other hand, they take the design blueprint and build it up using dedicated software. So they check the schematics and blueprints, determine the right approach, pick the right tools, collaborate with design to offer feedback on what's technically feasible, and where adjustments may be needed. And these alterations could come because of hardware. So for instance, CPU or GPU performance on those hardwares, software limitations, there might not be sophisticated tools out there to do the job properly, or alternatively resourcing. So if someone enjoys new technologies, being creative, and building solutions to solve problems, then of course through Circus Stream, for instance, might be a good starting point to learn, upskill, and help solve various problems we all encounter in society today.
2: So it sounds like I wouldn't have been the right person, right? Because when you ask those, pose those questions about physics and things, I was thinking, no. <laughs> <laughs> but would it just be about recruiting? You know, if I'm just teaching and I just am interested in having this immersive experience. In XRVR, I suppose for a faculty member who isn't interested in necessarily doing the development, they could just contribute to the design and the storyboards because that's something they are familiar with, the story, the context, the research, but then when it comes to actually building this and putting it together, that would be another person.
0: That's right. And again, that's why I like to say there's the development or the design route. So the development is more technical. So it might not be the best fit for, let's say, yourself, Tiffany, if you aren't really into those physics, maths and logics. But on the design side, it is more focused on user experience. And you can still prototype these experiences yourself, but you're not going to get your hands dirty with the coding, scripting and programming that's involved in really polishing up and finishing those projects afterwards.
2: Okay. Thank you. That really helps.
1: Higher education is not known for quickly implementing innovations. Things move very slowly. So what are you seeing in terms of colleges and universities adopting this technology as a way to enhance student learning?
0: Great question. I'd say there are kind of two main areas, soft skills and hard skills. Now, for instance, I know Indiana Wesleyan University has looked into and adopted this technology for nursing faculty members and students as well. So really helping these learners get into an immersive environment to be able to repetitively try different scenarios, work on their hard skills. Where to, for instance, monitor the pulse and the heartbeat. Did they wash their hands before they entered the room? Really checking off all the boxes to properly take care of a patient. And similarly on the soft skills side, how to speak with a patient, how to really maybe beat around the bush if there's something that you want to share with them. Or for instance, how to properly convey some information to the patient that they might not take very lightly.
1: Is the pace of change then, which is I think generally slow, is that primarily because of a lack of people to develop those tools you just described or Is it a concern that students won't have the necessary technology to actually use that program or both?
0: I'd say both. It's the lack of people potentially developing and designing these experiences, a lack of understanding of the potential of this technology to be applied to certain areas, and access to hardware as well. It is more affordable nowadays. In the past, it was very hard for schools to get, if not hundreds of headsets, dozens of headsets, right? Today, it is much more affordable where faculties and schools can purchase headsets to provide to their students to get into these experiences. But yes, to answer your question, Brad, it is a mix of the two that you had mentioned.
2: I want to return back to the very beginning. You shared a little bit about horizons and some of the social opportunities for connecting in VR. And I just wonder, have you seen those existing worlds being used in an education or a learning space? Something that doesn't necessarily even right now today require development, but is already out there. Have you seen any creative uses in education?
0: We have, yes. We actually use it here at CircuitStream for various events with our community and students, uh, coffee hours, demo days, networking events, graduation ceremonies. And I've seen graduation ceremonies happening with other providers out there as well in VR. So social spaces are being used here. I've seen it being used elsewhere as well, really just to help these communities and learners Interact with each other, especially during COVID, right? It really split everyone apart. Everyone was stuck remotely. So, getting everyone in a virtual space together helped them feel uh, more at home, I guess you could say, more connected with their peers. So, those are some of the areas that I've seen these social spaces applied to education, at least from a perspective here at CircuitStream.
2: What I'm hearing you say is it can be used for some student engagement or student community, some of those kinds of hopes that we have for our students that are really important to learning, but aren't exactly or directly student learning. So it's important, like I said, for them to be connected and to engage with one another, but is it necessarily a student learning experience? Is that what you're hearing too, Brad?
1: I guess I'm wondering, so let's say I have an entire academic program that at various places includes the provision of XR as a learning experience. My guess would be that you would start out with really low risk, low cost, fun activities to get people into the spirit of being in a place and playing a game or talking to people around a campfire as you described. And then as you move forward, they develop their skills and have a chance to practice those. And that's when you get into the real meat of the curriculum as you described, like nurse interacting with a patient.
0: That's right, it's a great way to introduce students to these virtual environments and how to interact with each other. And then that next step would be for the creatives to start developing some other environments where they can actually learn some of those skills that the faculty members or the school is hoping for the students to learn. So they get introduced to the virtual spaces by interacting with each other. And that ideal next step would be to start building, you know, some of those programs, learning objectives within an immersive environment, such as the nursing simulation experience I shared, or science, for instance, right? Titrating on whatnot, different liquids and using chemistry sets for a science class or some sort of chemistry lecture that's being taught.
1: So I would imagine then that institutional buy-in is a key variable here on any campus, we have folks at Indiana Wesleyan who will want to adopt any new technology that they see in their particular course. And that's admirable, but those one-shot deals don't tend to be very successful. And the institution really needs to say, we're gonna do this across the entire program. You're gonna come in, you're gonna learn this stuff, and you're gonna use it over and over again As you proceed through this experience
0: that's right yeah i'd agree with that it's introduced and then really scaling it to across different faculties whether it's something similar or slight changes or even completely different so so i can really adapt and tailor to those
1: well this podcast today has motivated me to say that i'm going to enroll tiffany in an xr development course
2: Save your money unless you're doing it with me, because you just said those one person one offs are not the most effective in higher ed. I think I
1: think you could become our expert. I just see that in you. I, I think you can master I, those.
2: I think Meta Mike, who we created, would be the better alternative, <laughs> which is perfect considering Mike is our representative with Google's room.
0: I think we can program him to do that. Yeah. Well, with these one-offs or, or having a faculty member join in, it's also great to have these, I guess you could say, champions going in to really understand the technology, learn it, develop some point. prototypes and projects to bring it back and get further buy-in from other teams and faculty members. And yeah. mm-hmm. I know that could have been one of the main reasons why Meta Mike had done some training himself <laughs> uh, That's right. was, was to really, really understand the technology and bring those ideas to fruition and bring it back and show the teams and other members and colleagues what is possible with this. And it's not impossible to build this just by yourself. It is a lot of work as a one-person team, but those champions are very important. And I would say that the adoption of this technology wouldn't have been possible without those single individuals really looking to understand this more bringing it back to their colleagues and showing them the possibilities of
2: that's a great point point. and the alternative is having no one at your institution
1: yeah and i think one of the challenges is it's really hard to describe in words what a vr experience is like you can tell somebody but until they put on the headphones and play a game or sit around the campfire or whatever they're gonna do, they can't really fully appreciate how powerful it is.
0: That's right. I agree with you, Brad. And that's why I always like to say, and what we like to say here at Circus Dream, the best way to introduce someone to something is to just put a headset on their head and open up an experience so they can see what's possible. Yeah. Whether Be a saber. It's, yeah. That's it. That's it. Whether it's those <laughs> games I mentioned earlier to show them, how immersive and physical it could actually be, even the social spaces to show them how they can interact with people from all over the world, just sitting in their office or from the comfort of their own living room. Mm
1: -hmm. Our team actually purchased headsets and now we have our team meetings weekly Mm -hmm. in a virtual environment. Mm -hmm. It's been very interesting just to experience that.
0: And those are those experiences that really help people understand the possibilities of this technology and I'm super happy to hear that you are you know currently using these social spaces and rooms to meet together and discuss different topics. So that's great to hear Brad. Thank you for sharing.
2: My favorite feature that MetaMic taught me is that I can put a bubble around me so that people can't come within my personal space as <laughs> my avatar <laughs> can have its own personal space. I love that feature. <laughs> Well, our big concluding question for you is What do you see as the future of the intersection of XR, the metaverse, education? What kind of things do you see?
0: Great question, Tiffany. There's so much I could talk about. I know. S- specific topics. So <laughs> forgive me, it might be a long answer, but I guess I could say reality as we know it is undergoing a historic transformation. And our world today stands at the threshold of a profound technological revolution that is taking the real world we inhabit far beyond the limitations of physics and time. And the promise of XR is fueling predictions for an array of some once unthinkable possibilities within the fast emerging metaverse. And as I mentioned, 2030, that's been a big date that's been thrown around. And by 2030, we could be spending more time in the metaverse than in the real world, believe it or not. And people will be, (laughs) uh, right? (laughs) And people will be applying for jobs, earning a living, meeting with friends, shopping, even getting married using virtual capabilities of the metaverse. Right? In the coming decade, higher education and job training may increasingly be provided in virtual 3d settings along with as you're kind of touching up on tiffany earlier boardroom or workplace meetings Uh, businesses and governments will rely on the power and reach of the metaverse to share information provide services and really collaborate as never before i think we will be saying goodbye to our traditional workspace you'll likely be surrounded by surfaces that provide new interfaces and a new realm of instantaneous virtual connections to people, places, and work settings. For instance, modern tools will let you forge connections and manipulate 3D objects intuitively within the lifelike virtual space you are occupying. And 2030, again, big day. We can expect to see the emergence of brain-computer interfaces, for instance, BCIs that enable human thought to be tracked, recorded or even shared. And these XR capabilities may literally enable us to experience moments and memories from someone else's life, for instance. Synthetic data generated from simulated worlds meanwhile will likely guide, you know, robots to solve problem solve and replace unfortunately humans performing <laughs> High risk work. Maybe not unfortunately. High risk work is you know risky business. But as this technology advances and converges, immersing us in new virtual worlds, I think the industry is at an inflection point. We're seeing investment in technological advancement soar as more businesses wake up to the vast realm of these emerging opportunities. Facebook, for example. Changed its name to Meta and committed 10 billion on the Metaverse technology developments. And I believe Microsoft, meanwhile, has announced a record-breaking 70 billion deal to buy Activision Blizzard, uh, who are the makers of popular multiplayer games. So make no mistake, as the metaverse continues to emerge, many businesses will find opportunities for change. But you know it's scary at the same time to think where this will all go but it's also very exciting to see how this will solve our challenges how we can interact with each other and uh and you know grow as a society together
1: i want to throw down the gauntlet and i want to invite you back on january 1st 2030. (laughs) we're going to play back your predictions just see how accurate they were
0: we'll see you know we'll see (laughs) Uh, I'd love to join you again by 2030, if not sooner. It was a pleasure to be here today with you both.
2: We'll be coaching water polo for the Olympics. People <laughs> have long moved on. Yeah.
1: Tiffany, we, we might be able to play virtual water polo. That's exactly, what, That's know. exactly
2: that. what I was thinking. I was thinking, is it a problem if I can't swim very well? Well, not if I'm in VR. So. Exactly. <laughs> Don't have to have swam since I was two. Not I'm in VR. Yeah. Well, Stefan, this is so It has been fun. a pleasure to have
1: you as a guest, sir.
2: Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you, Tiffany and Brad for, for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you as well. I, I wish you both a wonderful day. I hope to be back again very yeah. soon. And best of luck with everything. And do let me know if there's anything more I can share with you, any insights or predictions again on future podcasts.
2: I will. To all of our listeners, thank you for joining us on this two-part series with Stefan Lucina. This has been so great. We're going to have additional resources available on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and on our website, digitaltolearn.com with a numerical two. Join us next week for a new guest. We can't wait for you to be there.
1: Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn.
2: If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future.
2: Always keep learning.